right. Jay Jagannath Prabhu, thank you for joining me on 30 seconds notice. <laughs> so for those of you who, um, there's no one joining yet. Yeah, yeah. Just speak. Yeah. Um, so this is me and Jay Jagannath Prabhu here talking about anything chit chat should we use that title probably not because that's your uh why don't you do those anymore um i enjoyed those know, a lot well there was there was the the sort of up the uptick of podcasts when lockdown started everyone was doing a podcast and we yeah. also started that as an offering at the boxy center just to keep people who were part of the communities somewhat connected i guess and integrated and then when the lockdowns stopped, then a lot of the podcasts also stopped. <clears throat> and we kept going for a while after things opened up, but then, um, you know, it's sort of like petered out, like a lot of those podcasts that popped up during that time period. And life, we got preoccupied with life again. So yeah, yeah. that's how, that was the story. So the um, Bhakti Inherency uh, debate rages on. I, I, <laughs> what do you I think really, of the <clears throat> new article? Yeah, I, well, I, I didn't, I wasn't aware of it until you sent me the article yesterday. Yes, yeah, so like tons of people sent it to me. Oh, is it okay? Yeah. And, um, yeah, I don't, I don't have any, I mean, I do have loads of things to say about it in one sense, but I also don't have anything to say about it because, <clears throat> you know, people's, Faith is a matter of their own. Is you know, everyone has to speak for their own self at the end of the day? And I'm yeah. kind of on a personal level. I think maybe as I'm getting older, on a personal level, in a lot of ways, I feel like I'm going to pull away from conceptual spiritual life. I'm trying to enter into like a more experiential spiritual life, you know, sort of approach. <clears throat> I feel like a lot of Hare Krishna move, movement, our sangha, or any of the sanghas. We're like really heady and, and not, not, yeah. not necessarily in a negative sense, but just like we have these like very rigid, not rigid, very elaborate is a better word, very elaborate, like taxonomies. You know, this word taxonomy, it's, a, it's like, like a cool word, like categorization. For animals and things, right? No, taxonomy means like when you categorize things, you know, right. breaking things up into categories and subcategories and categories of those subcategories. These are called like taxonomies. So Gaudiya Vaishnavism, like our metaphysics, our ontology, our theology is super detailed, super um, complex in some ways. And these like very elaborate taxonomies. And it generates, once you get into it and you get into all the details, <clears throat> this is just a personal thing. It's been a personal thing for me for this year. It creates this sense that I know, I know, like I know the Siddhanta. I know what the truth is. And when you get into that space of, you know what the truth is, as if like the whole truth is in the palm of your hands, like right. I know what it is. Um, then it also, it seems like what also comes with that is like this sort of culture of like argumentation and, you know, counter argumentation. And I mean, because to establish the danta, there means there has to be argument, basically. You know, there's some thesis is given and then there's some doubt about the thesis and then there's some over paksha a person who can um 
Yeah. The apropoxy means something that supports the doubt to the thesis. And then there's the establishment of the Siddhanta by destroying the argument of the Purapakshan. And so that whole culture is like, it like kind of encourages like argumentation and counter argumentation. And I think there's something important about that, especially when we're young and we're, we're needing to have like a solid foundation or container for our practices of spirituality. But I think as I get older, and I, I, I wonder if other devotees who are older can speak to this also, you kind of want to like shift away from just argumentation spirituality or conceptual spirituality or you know where you're able to articulate the truth but you're not really experiencing that mystery or that i'm using the word mystery for rahasya you know the rahasya means yeah the rahasya is one of the four topics of the chatur sloki bhagavatam you know chatur sloki bhagavatam the four topics are gana vigana rahasya and tadanga and gana is like knowledge about bhagavan vigana is knowledge about maya the spiritual and material Maya. Rahasya means prema, you know, the mystery. Rahasya means mysteries, the mystery of prema. And tadanga means an anga of that mystery, which is sadhana bhakti or the sadhana that leads to that prema. And I don't know, at a certain point, it's like I'm not really experiencing the mystery. And I know all the taxonomies, or I have a sense that I know all the taxonomies and I know the philosophy, but I'm not experiencing the mystery. And, um, and so, I find this sort of argumentation that we get in these um, sort of debates, like online debates. Yeah, I find it to be valuable as far as creating a container for us to progressively move towards the mystery of spiritual life, the experience of the mystery of spiritual life. But um, I don't feel so inspired. I don't feel as inspired as I used to when I was younger to Mm. like say my necessarily say my opinion about those sorts of topics like okay whatever gives you faith like do your thing are you moving towards the experience of that mystery are you having the experience of that mystery and so um yeah that's kind of kind of how i feel about it i've I've had my own convictions about this topic over a decade ago um when i explored it and i kind of settled it in my head in like two minutes and then someone's going to ask me well what what do you think about it and i'm just like Boo, just let me do me, okay? (laughs) Let me live my own spiritual life. Let me speak from my own spirituality before God. Like, okay, what if I say something that you don't like? Are you going to argue with me? And then go around saying, he's deviating from the Acharyas. He's this, that, and the other. I'm like, let God handle that. You know, let me speak for myself before God. Yeah, I don't like like, the Guru Nishta police, you know? Like, it's like they're, (laughs) they're out to like, you know, just say that you don't have faith or or things like that i just think it's i think it's like what ravi's saying here on that track it's easy to get stuck in your head in many ways be completely disconnected from real life right like we create our own bubble of our devotional community and then within that bubble we make this like world and it's so disconnected from the life that i mean like for me for me like interact with so many non-devotee people and it's like I think like devotees are so precious and to and to create these like lines between each other because of some kind of sedantic thing it's like so petty and i don't i really don't like it it's really distasteful to me you know in one sense i you know i get like there's this whole culture of swajatiya sangha you know yeah that yeah i understand that Goswami speaks to that like he, he you know he defines sadhu sangha as tasting the meanings of the bhagavatam 
you know, from Rasikas in the Association of Like-Minded Persons. That's how Prabhupada translates Swajatiya Sangha. And I think, like, when you look at Mahaprabhu's Leela, you had, like, the Vaishnavas from Bengal, the Vaishnavas from Kuliagram, the Vaishnavas who were with Mahaprabhu in Puri. So it was, like, these different communities of Vaishnavas. And you get the sense, like, they had their different cultures in these different places, their different maybe ways of expressing bhakti. And maybe in some ways, their different understandings of Siddhanta or like nuanced ways of understanding or articulating Siddhanta, yeah. uh, at least until like Srinivasacharya, Narottam Das Thakur and Shamananda, until that their whole like, you know, spreading the teachings of Jiva Goswami, like to all the Vaish Gaudiya Vaishnava Sanghas, they were like the intellectual development of the tradition was probably a little bit unique in these different areas. And I got a sense from reading CC that they that maybe everyone didn't necessarily jive. Like they had maybe like their different culture and different, but then they all came to Puri during the Chaturmasya season, you know. And they did Rakta Yatra together and they were with Mahabharu together and they did Kirtan. And then they went back to their, you know, different sanghas. Yeah. And I like to think it was with respect and with regard for the other sanghas, even though there might have been differences. So I have a sort of romantic vision in my head, like, yeah, that's what kind of advice, like, yeah, we have our differences, maybe even an understanding of certain theological or metaphysical truths, but there really is respect, even if there is respect from a distance, you know, but like, at least in the culture as it stands today, I'm like, where's the respect from a distance? Like the voters will say like that, like you show respect from a distance. I'm like, yeah, respect. <laughs> from a distance like y'all like thousands of miles away in another country like um giving mad disrespect online yeah <laughs> you know? like so, calling each other names and this that, and the other just and, calling people out and things like that it's just like <laughs> and then inevitably always um shuda bhakti sadat's name will be invoked <laughs> you know right like, as if he would come online and like you know well, you know fire guru blast like, people exactly. yeah protect the Quran Quran. No, honestly, I'm like laughing about it because it's like a cringe element to it. But I, I also kind of yeah. get the sense of like needing to protect the, the teachings of Siddhanta and all that from Appa Sampradaya. I get that whole thing also, obviously, having grown up in the culture of Iskhan, I get that. But do we have here, I'm over here at Bhakti Center and um, there's a, a young man who's Muslim and he's like, Muslim Muslim like he really participates in the culture of Islam in a lot of ways um, but he's been charmed by Krishna consciousness he was came from a preaching program and I think somewhere in Philadelphia <clears throat> Penn State or something maybe for two years so he's been kind of like a practicing devotee for two years even though he's very much aware and kind of participates in the culture of Islam also so we were having some conversation inevitably this particular question came up he said, well, where do you think Muslims and Christians are going to go after they die? And my response to that was like, I don't care. <laughs> like, I don't care. And I said, I said, honestly, I don't care where anyone else is going because at the end of my life, I can only speak for myself. And I said, I said this sort of question where others are going, it kind of betrays this idea that just because you join the right church or the right religion, or you have the right philosophy, that means that you're going to heaven, you know, you're going to attain the goal just because you join the right thing or yeah. have the right convictions. Yeah, My, yeah. Less, less important, not, uh, this is not, maybe I shouldn't say it like this, maybe not as important uh, 
what's not as important as consciousness is like the right conviction. You can have the right convictions and still have poor consciousness. Like you could have heard the right siddhantas yeah. and still lack the avesha that allows you to attain the goal of life. You know, Shishu Paul didn't have the right convictions, but he had the avesh. Uh, mm. He hated Krishna like deeply. And that deep hate caused an absorption in Krishna. And that absorption in Krishna purified him. And from that purification, he was able to attain the goal. Of course, in his particular case, having been Jai Vijay, he attained Sarupya Mukti from his avesh. And, and, and so avesha is like the, the real purpose of sadhana, you know, or rather vidya sadhana or rak sadhana, the whole purpose of sadhana is to gain that avesha. We've been studying this in the first chapter of the seventh canto. One of the most important passages for Gaudiya Vaishnavism is seventh canto chapter one, verses 26 to 31. It's like one of the most important sections. Jiva Goswami used that section to um, show why rak bhakti is superior to vidya bhakti. And so it becomes a big part of our theology. And anyway, the whole topic there is really the avesh. Shishupal didn't have the right convictions about Krishna, but he had the avesh. And from that avesh, he attained the goal. Whereas we can have like all the right siddhantas, but we, many of us don't have the avesh. You know, it's like, it's like, well, how do you know I don't have the avesh? I'm like, let me see your phone real quick. <laughs> <laughs> what does avesh mean again? Avesh means like absorption. You know, oh yeah, oh like yeah, absorption, absorption yeah. in the reality. That's the whole yeah. and the whole purpose of vidhi bhakti, like the whole purpose of following the rules of vaidi, smartavya satatam vishnu vi smartavya najatuchit. You know, to always remember Krishna, never forget it. It means avesh. That is the whole purpose of vidhi. And yeah. more powerful than vidhi than creating avesha is like an emotional attraction to reality in, in creating. And so Shishupal had that. He had the emotional attraction to Krishna that created the Avesh. Now, Avesha allows him to attain the goal. Whereas many of us, we are like very confident about our understanding of Siddhantic truths, are confident enough to be calling out other Vaishnavas on online forums and all that. And then one is drawn, to, one is curious, like, well, do you have the Avesh? Like, I'm not, I don't care about what other people's Aveshas are. I'm answering this question of this Muslim guy. I'm like, at the end of the day, we can only speak our own selves before God, speak to our Avesha. And so maybe less important than um, the right, well, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not getting the sentence right. What's not, le, convictions are less important than Avesha in, in this sense. You know, the whole idea of having the right convictions is so we can get Avesha. So um, right convictions without Avesha I don't know. It seems it creates more complexity for our life than it does mm -hmm. give peace or happiness or even service. It seems it creates complications in the form of offenses and just ghetto mentality that, you know, you don't want to deal with. <laughs> and just like, you know, there's like this meme on the internet where it's like, that's the kind of thing you watch from a distance. I don't know if you've seen one of those. It comes up. It's, it was like a popular thing, right. thing like a couple of weeks ago. And like that's how I, when I I like hardly go on Facebook anymore. I go on Facebook to like just post like like oh this podcast is coming up I'm doing right. or every now and again I get an inspiration I'll post it but I don't go on Facebook. I'm like that's the kind of thing you watch from a distance. Like people like yeah. calling each other names and shit. I'm just like yo, <laughs> but what about the avage? Like I'm scared that I've been around for 20 years now and I don't have any avage. Like I don't have an, an emotional attraction to reality. 
my application of Vidhi has also yet to yield the actual fruit in the form of Avesh. Like that's more concerning to me than my having the right Siddhanta about something. And that's like, well, so, I love that. I love that a lot. And they're like, well, what is your absorption? The right Siddhanta is, that's what's going to lead you there. I'm like, well, y'all got the right Siddhanta and y'all looking kind of wild. So I got, <laughs> I, I got my doubts. <laughs> I, I got my doubts. <laughs> yeah. What is your absorption? Is your absorption just trying to be right in Siddhanta or you have another absorption? I mean, I'm talking yeah. to myself here. It's, and, I mean, and that's why like, I'm, I'm kind scared. of I'm genuinely yeah, scared. I'm scared. I was, I yeah. was talking to Dave Monova the other day. Uh, we were just messaging. And um, anyway, about a particular scenario, which I'll not mention, but I had I kind of had expressed concern how um, there are devotees and our sanghas, I guess, that are considered as like senior. <clears throat> but um, I don't know. This is this is not a sweet point. I was feeling good about how I was speaking. <laughs> I was, it was just like, I was looking at, I guess I was dealing with certain criticisms from devotees who are considered senior. Um, and I was think like, I was wondering like, okay, why am I being criticized for this particular thing? <clears throat> and why is it that every time I deal with this particular like senior person, it's always like hearing the criticisms of other Vaishnavas for the most part. And so I, I had got this sense, and I could be completely wrong, because it could just be my own mundane perception. So I, I'm just going to take responsibility from that right off the bat. But <laughs> I, I got I got this sense, like, like you've been around for like a long, uh, like a long time, <clears throat> and the only thing I ever hear from you is criticism of other Vaishnavas. So it's giving like plateau, like you've really plateaued or like stopped yeah. advancing at a certain point. But that wasn't like that happened to all of us. So that's like not a strange thing. What was what was hitting me and what scared me was like it appeared to me that maybe this particular devotee didn't realize that they had plateau. Like they were like very comfortable. Yeah, that's where, scary. That's, that's scary. Scared me. I was like, how did you hit a ceiling in your development and not notice the ceiling? And therefore just feel like super comfortable. Yeah, you could like feel at. like you're doing fine. Everything's yeah, you're good. Doing. You know, I'm chanting, I'm following the principle, blah, blah, blah. But I'm then criticizing Vaishnavas because they don't know the Siddhanta. Right. And I that's kind right. of like freaked me out. And I'm like, and then I was like, I messaged David. <laughs> I was like, what are they doing all this time? You know, <laughs> like what's going on? Right. Like 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, and like you totally hit a silly, you stopped growing, but you like how do you not notice something like that? I guess and, if you don't uh, have friends, maybe, or because I know a lot of senior devotees, like not a lot, but the some of the ones that I know, they just don't have like close friends. It's like kind of lonely up at the top sometimes. I think I, I'm gonna come back to that. I think life in general is a lonely one um yeah i think that's one of the harsh truths of spirituality in fact i went and grabbed my phone right at the beginning of this because i wanted to share this verse i was going to ask what are some of the bitter truths of spiritual life that you know oh, that, i saw that you put that on instagram yeah because you get a, good answers i got some answers i'll post them today and um yeah. i got some pretty interesting answers um, what are you reading from there this is from 10th canto it's chapter 49. This is a Kura is in Hastinapur, I think. Mm -hmm. And um, there's just this particular verse. Uh, 
24. I think it's 24. Yeah, this is this one. Um, oh, wait, what happened? Where'd it go? Oh, I can't find it. Yeah, here it is. Oh, he says this in this world, no one has any permanent relationship with anyone else. We cannot stay forever, even with our own body. What to speak of our wife, children, and the rest. And then this statement, every creature is born alone and dies alone. Wow. And alone one experiences the just rewards of his good and evil deeds. And I, I often thought about that. I'm like, well, we're not alone. Like we have, we have Sangha and the Sangha means you don't have to, you don't have to bear this, your, your karmic reality or your fate, whatever, however you think about a Daiva, God, you don't have to, you don't have to bear that alone. But at the, at the end of the day, um, like on the deepest subjective level, we are alone. Like even when you try to express your heart to another living entity and like yeah. be vulnerable, they still can't understand where you're coming from, from your subjective position. They have to understand what you're saying from their subjective position. And so even when you try to express things, sometimes you can still feel very alone because at the end of the day, it's your subjective world that you're encountering and dealing with. And no one else has access to that except for God. He's the only other entity that can sit in the privacy of our own consciousness. So unless we become God conscious and discover that God who can sit there with us, that in some ways life is like a lonely one in this sense. Even yeah. if you have wife and you have children and you have friends and you have a good son, that it can still feel like a lonely one. But yeah, just back to that other that other topic, it's just like, yeah, how do you that that kind of frightens me a little bit. Like, how do you not notice your the ceiling that's stopping you from, you know, growing? How will you not grow? And I'm like, is that gonna happen to me? You know, I get nervous. Tulsi's question from the other room. How do we protect against becoming senior in age, but not going deeper without embarrassing others or being ungrateful, disrespectful? Let me push the idea that age or time passing does not equal depth in bhakti. Good question. Uh, you got any answers? <laughs> um, I don't, I don't think that, uh, I don't think it's possible to be honest. Really? Oh, that's negative. <laughs> In the sense of like, like, what are you gonna say to someone who's like much older than you? To well, talk? I don't know about this question is directed at someone else. It's directed at us as individuals. Right. How do we protect against becoming senior in age, but not going deeper? Oh, right. I think, oh, okay, yeah, I, I understand the question now. I think I, for, what I would say is to have close friends who who you who you say who you explain to like, hey. If I'm going off the rails, you need to tell me. Uh, I, I, you know, this is my, uh, I guess, my suggestion here also. I, my, there's a chatu coming back to the chatu shloki. So the fourth topic is tad anga, a an anga of the mystery, and the mystery is prema. And so the the shloka for that particular verse, etavad eva jignasa tatvam jignasunatvanaha. That one must certainly acquire about the absolute reality up to this point. Etava Deva, certainly up to this point, one should inquire about the absolute. Well, up to what point? Up to the point of the experience of the mystery. You know, in other words, our investigation isn't complete until we're actually experiencing that mystery. 
um, of God, you know, and for us, that mystery is prima. So for me, it's just like, <clears throat> I, I've been thinking about this a lot this year. When I first came to Christian consciousness, there was just like this, this curiosity, because you're like totally ignorant about everything. And so there was like this curiosity and you have, we had so many questions that needed answers. It wasn't just like, like an official question that you ask at the end of a class because no one else wants to say anything. And it was kind of embarrassing. So we're like, all right, I'll ask, I'll tell you, hey, why do, um, why do good things happen to bad people? And it's just like, really, nigga, you've been around for 20 years. Why are you asking that question? It's not like, like, I'm talking about the sort of question that you like, you needed an answer to. Otherwise you just weren't satisfied. You approached reality with that necessity. I need an answer to this question. You know, ask yeah. and it shall be given unto you. Um, seek and you shall find, knock and the door shall be open. You kind of approach reality with that necessity and reality reciprocated by giving us the, the knowledge of Christian consciousness. Then after we got the knowledge of Christian, and this is what I'm speaking to from the very beginning of this podcast. Once we get the knowledge of Christian consciousness, then it's like, okay, I know everything. And it's like suppressed our or muted our inquisitive spirit. It's like it's like our progress towards the absolute reality is able to progress on the strength of the question. If you and, and most of us don't think about this, but the questions kind of determine the trajectory of energy, not mm -hmm. only of our own life's energy, but even of a conversation. Like now we're talking about this because of Tosi's question. That means our question is controlling the trajectory of the conversation right now. Yeah. So like that, even in our life's energy, the inquirers we have control the trajectory of where we're going to kind of like move. And I think that's what's one thing very unique about like Vedic literatures. They're always like, it's, a, it's like a dialectic between adepts. Someone's asking a question, someone's giving an answer, question, answer, question, answer. All the literatures are like that, trying to like kind of put to the fore the importance of the inquiry to help us make progress. I think what happens is that if our inquiry stops at a certain level, then your progress stops. You stop yeah, at, at least... the strength of, like you're able to move on the strength of the inquiry. So if the inquiry spirit stops for whatever reason, because you think you know, then that's where, you're, that's where you plateau right there. And you don't have any further questions. Right. So no I always remember you saying, you saying like um, when Maharaj comes to visit and, you know, he's like any questions and no one asks a question, that's like, that's not good. <laughs> People should have questions, right? But it's like what, when you can say it the other way, why don't we have questions? Right. Because I mean, because our our lives activities have absorbed us too much and we're just preoccupied in another domain. We don't have time for exploring that domain with serious questions. It's only yeah. questions about the practical life or um, okay, whatever. So you I I used to have this, well, I use it's my saying, I own it. If you want to use it, you have to quote me. Otherwise, I'm going to sue you. you know, but um, I, I, I've been saying this thing since 2014 when I accidentally stumbled upon it in a conversation and it came out of my mouth somehow. That evolution of inquiry precedes evolution of being. And I've been saying this since 2014. I, I think it's a great maxim. Evolution of inquiry precedes evolution of being. And so far as the sort of questions we ask allows reality to reply and then mm. with the knowledge that we get from reality, then with that knowledge, we can transform our being and go further and go deeper and go mm. higher. And so evolution of inquiry precedes evolution of being. So if our inquiry stops at a particular level, then our ability to 
transform our being also like just plateaus there. And I'll, I'll, <clears throat> the reason I'm saying this about in response to the senior, cause I have a particular example in my head. Um, so it recently, <laughs> I have a little karma around this, it seems, but recently um, a particular friend of mine has been got, getting interested in like rock bhakti. Uh, Raghunuga Bhakti and like what is like Braj Bhakti he's been getting he's, yeah exactly so he's been getting interested in that and <clears throat> so he's been going to some of his seniors to inquire about the subject matter that is you know inquire about that which is like calling his heart in a sense and he's been getting kind of getting the stereotypical like shutdown you know do Bhakti Bhakti first don't jump with the guru you know just kind of getting the door slammed on his face. So as a result, like I, I promise you over here in New York, I mind my business. Like I'm like very to myself. I've become quite antisocial as I'm getting older. I'm kind of concerned about it, honestly. So I kind of stick to myself, but this person- Okay, um, from Oibrabu is listening. Oh, yay. Excellent points, nice uh, JJ. It's a good practice to ask questions, even if you know the answer, even if you have asked that question before it creates the space for a new uh revelatory wow yeah answer to descend yeah tag tag that or send that little thing to me because yeah, yeah that's beautifully said of course Michael, he speaks very beautifully yeah so this devotees have these questions so he's like come to me i'm like kind of considered bad association for many reasons and um, but this devotee is inquisitive, so he came to me and he started, you know, asking some of these questions to me. So I was giving the answers that I understood, to whatever degree that I understood it from the Bhakti Rasa to Sindhu. So I created a little bit of tension, and um, you know, some of the seniors were like giving warning to this devotee, like, be careful, you don't don't, don't become a sahajia, and I and I was just like, well, why don't y'all just answer his questions, you know, and so that way you can protect him by giving proper knowledge of the subject matter without him becoming Sahaji or jumping over Prabhupada, just answer his questions like that. But then it became obvious that they, they didn't have the answers to those particular questions. Right. Um, and, and so they were just giving it like a sort of cautionary approach to this devotee. So then I was like, well, why don't you have the answers to these questions? Because a lot of these questions were like very basic also. They're not very sophisticated questions. And so I was like, well, why didn't you have the answer to those questions? So then it occurred to me like, well, maybe they haven't asked those questions of themselves yet. And if they haven't asked those questions, then they haven't, uh, reality didn't have the space to give them an answer to that. And therefore that part of our philosophy has remained a mystery to them. Mm. And, and so they can't speak to it. So I was like, okay, so the inability to answer it has something to do with the, uh, the, um, yeah, the arresting of our inquisitive spirit, either arrested by practical life or arrested by disinterest or arrested by whatever it is, it's yeah. been arrested. And so we haven't asked that question. And so we don't have access to that domain. And right. so I think, um, I think this is the biggest danger about becoming senior is that you get this sense of, of I know the truth. I've heard these things before. And I feel like, this has been my meditation literally the whole year. I've, I asked this question to Bhakti Bhagavan Maharaj at the very beginning of uh, in Govardhan. Uh, I got a chance to have um, lunch with him. Maharaj is super cool, peeps. Like, I just like <laughs> love being around him. And I'm yeah. super surprised. So I asked him this question, and this has been my meditation the entire year. I was like, Maharaj, 
how do I receive knowledge in such a way that it doesn't mute my fervor and inquisitiveness for understanding the absolute truth? And then my 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 um my observation is that a lot of devotees were just like we feel like we know it all because we have these like cool philosophy and we understand it. And I just like I don't see like a sort of, sort of like deep culture of inquisitiveness or um and so I was like I'm kind of scared about that. So how do you and he kind of like laughed at me and um he didn't laugh at me but he kind of like laughed and said that's a very good question. And then he continued eating. <laughs> like I was like I think oh, it's I, you know the way I look at it is that I think it's unfair to think that all senior devotees or older devotees whatever you want to call them uh will have will have that um, you know that inquisitiveness or that or that they have all the answers themselves i think it's so like i said i don't care about them in this in this in this context i'm i care about myself <laughs> like right i'm scared of that happening to me like okay yeah you don't have to ask you didn't ask those questions that wasn't your interest cool do you like you're you're on your own journey towards beatitude and i'm right. also on my own journey i can only speak for myself and i'm scared about this happening to me and therefore i've been after 20 years of like listen i'm totally into the theology and the taxonomy i like i love it I oh love, yeah i, I love taking more notes than most like, people you are into that <laughs> i'm like super geeky about it taking notes and category and subcategory and then yeah. i love that i don't think i'll it'll ever leave me but I've definitely been pulling away from just that part of the culture. And I'm, I just like want a more experiential spiritual life that that speaks to the need for communion with the mystery that really is Christian consciousness. Mm. Uh, despite knowing all like, like Brahma says in his stuti to Krishna, you know, those who say they know the absolute truth, let them speak like that. <laughs> as far as I was concerned, I don't know anything. Yeah, and that's like been like for me. That's been like a almost like a theme song for me this year. Like those who say they know, let them say like that. As far as I'm concerned, I don't know diddly squat. And what's the proof? I'm not experiencing the mystery, and I'm scared about that. I'm 20 years. I don't have the experience. Everyone can tell you, well, just keep pushing on. Like <clears throat> you know, it's just about the steadiness. You know, you try to get those inspirational talks, and just like first of all, it's underwhelming. Um, it, it's it's giving like um no <laughs> like, like i'm not convinced but, but i also like yeah okay true i have to adjust the way that I, I do things but at the end of the day until i get a deeper experience of that communion yeah yeah i'm like less concerned about argumentation about having the right truths and um, i like what you said about the experience experience um experience because we see those devotees who we look up to who have who are tasting that absorption that experience and they're not they're not arguing anything because they're right. experiencing such something so deep and profound it's like what's the need maybe to argue about something or to uh i mean it's like a it's like another level yeah here comes the through the bhakti siddhanta card <laughs> <laughs> I mean, people, you know, you can turn this off if you don't want to listen to me and Jay Jagannath talk about this. But that's yeah, something I, that, that's, that I find so interesting. Like when people, um, you know, don't like a certain podcast or something, like someone's holding a gun to their head to listen to me or, or to my guests. It's like, 
You don't need to listen to this if you don't like it. Now, Turn it off. It's just that, um, well, in your particular case, um, your podcast enjoys a certain popularity and the right. domain. And, um, and so there's, I guess, for those who will be watching you, there's a sense from them that you have a certain responsibility to maybe augment certain ideas, augment certain voices through your platform, or maybe not proliferate certain ideas through your particular platform. So I, I get people thinking that about you. Yeah. Whatever. Y'all do you, I'm gonna do me, that sort of thing. I'm just and I'm not even speaking to the lack of importance of like understanding proper sedanta. Like there's this phrase at the end of the second chapter of CC, Kaviraj Goswami is arguing for Mahaprabhu as Krishna. You know, first of all, Gauri Vaishnava say Krishna is the, the you know Swayam Bhagavan. He's a source of all forms of the God. That itself is controversial. And <laughs> the Gaudiya Vaishnava was like, oh, you think that's controversial? We got one more for you. Mahaprabhu is that Krishna. <laughs> and so it's like, especially in the time that it came, you know, it was um, manifesting in the world, super controversial. Other Vaishnava schools were like, these people are out of mind, they're out of control, whatever. So Kaviraj Goswami is making a case for Mahaprabhu being Krishna. And at the end of the second chapter, he said, like, don't be lazy. Yeah. and understanding the Siddhanta. And so I'm not even, yes, don't be lazy. We have a responsibility to ourselves to understand the truths that will be the container that allows us to receive the greater mercy, the greater grace in our life of Saddhupakti. So I'm not speaking to that. I'm just speaking more to being concerned about the, I have a container that's kind of empty right now. Well, what do you mean it's empty? I mean, I'm not having that rich experience. I'm not having that avesha. Without the avesha, that means my container is a little bit empty. And so I, I have to ask why it's empty. And so that, that sort of question, why is it empty? That's a more important question for me right now as I'm getting older than is bhakti inherent or not inherent, for example, or did the jiva fall or not fall? I already have my convictions around that. Well, how do you know your convictions are right? Ooh, let me do me. <laughs> let me let me right. speak for my own journey don't police like, me yeah don't police me i'm on my own journey right now but the the more important question is why don't i have a vase why don't i have yeah the higher experience that's what's important arjun <clears throat> says shiksha guru is our safety net a relationship a friendship with shiksha guru is necessary to not go off the rails yeah i mean good point you have yeah. to have you have to have that association <clears throat> yeah, I like your your point too about friends and I found that even in my teens sometimes being in the company of majority converts I was treated as somewhat senior because of my upbringing. Uh, this was extremely detrimental to my bhakti progress because no one wanted to correct me because I walked the walk because I walked the walk already. Right. And she got married to me and I correct her every single day, <laughs> every moment. Regretted that, huh, Tuls? <laughs> uh, right. Sri Ramaswamy wrote a book about on fictional devotees go, uh, journey from joining to Raghunuga Bhakti and all the stages he goes through. I forgot the name of the book. That's probably Shuddha Bhakti Chintamani. Oh, that's a cool book. That's like the super thick super one. Thick. That's a, a lot of Marge's books are super thick. Yeah. And, uh, good, I've, I've, I've looked through that book. It's very nice. Yeah. Regarding senior devotees hitting a plateau, this comes to mind. Both we, the weeds and Bhakti Lata get nourishment. 
from the watering process and the weed can resemble the bhakti lata. We have to be vigilant and always be open to help from devotees. We should learn from the experience of Bharat. Nice. These are all very nice comments. But <laughs> thank you so much, dear wife. <laughs> I I just wanna I just wanna make it clear here. I'm not my comment is less about senior devotees and more about myself. I'm not really commenting about like senior devotees are not they're not advanced enough. How did this happen in them? I'm, right, right. I'm, this is a question Good about call out, yeah. This is a question about me. I'm I care about myself. You know, the 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 pronoun, you know, there's this whole program pronoun confusion over here in America, <laughs> which is absolutely out of control at this point. But mine's I his to... grace and his holiness, by the way. Huh? Mine's his grace <laughs> and their holiness. That's mine. Well, the pronoun, the pronoun that I'm most preoccupied with in my own life is I. <laughs> Right. I, I, I like that's not, the not only yet. pronoun that I'm truly deeply invested in. Even if I make comments about others, it's really not about them. It's about me. Somehow or other, it's about me. And so, yeah, my my talk about senior voice is not about that. I like everyone's on their own journey. And I, I I'm concerned about my own journey because at the end of life, I can't I can only speak for myself. Like this is a realization I'm having this week. I can only speak for myself at the end of my life when I, I come before that. God. I love and, that. Um, and so that's my concern. I'm just taking hint that like, wow, this can happen to me. It's happened to others also. It can happen to me. But it's like, <clears throat> like this phrase, Pashanapina Pashiti, Shukadeh Goswami said, they see, but they don't see, which means mm. they see, but they don't examine. You know, what in his context, he's talking about how you've seen people die before you. And so you're also going to die, but you, although you're seeing that you don't see, like you don't examine the situation. So I think similarly, we see what's happening around us, but we see, but we don't see, like we don't examine it from the perspective of our own journey and what it mean, what it should mean, or the sort of impact it should have on us. Like, wow, this could happen to me also if I'm not careful, or wow, this could happen to me also if I follow that, that path. And so I'm kind of like concerned in that sort of way. I don't want to be, a seeing not seeing person i want to see i want to examine more deeply then i want to adjust myself or adjust my journey um, i think the fact that you have this concern in itself that's good that's a good sign oh that. that's hopeful yeah it's, it's a hopeful. Little bit hopeful but now you gotta act on it also yeah you know, it's like i'm really concerned about this opens netflix <laughs> <laughs> what is your absorption right <laughs> um you were you were talking about the topic of sticking to your word. You want to elaborate on that a little bit? <laughs> First of all, that was a joke. Was it really? <laughs> it was a joke because okay, the way I'm here right now is because Oh, oh, okay. oh my god, I completely <laughs> missed that. It's too early in the morning here for me to Oh my god, my guest okay, is going to hate so me. So the way I'm, I'm the way I'm here right now is that Namra suddenly I'm like getting ready. I'm actually about to do my workout as you messaged me. Oh man! And, uh, and then Naras is like, "Hey, you want to do a podcast?" And I'm like, "Right now?" He's like, "Yeah, the person I'm supposed to do didn't show up." <laughs> and I was like, "Well, you know, why not?" Well, they forgot, and you know, da da. So then, I in that context, I made the joke. Let's talk about sticking to your word. Right. right. <laughs> so that was that anyway, was completely completely. I totally missed that. I totally missed that. I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about like sticking to your principles and your. The regular <clears throat> principles and your the, your commitments and things like that. Okay, but I'll I'll the way I since you brought it up, the way I would speak to it now in the context of the, the theme of this conversation. 
Yeah. It's, um, <clears throat> so we're, we're taking this angle of becoming senior. So I think this becoming senior is just one of the many sort of ego shells, like personas that come yeah. up and that need to be broken in order for the creeper to further blossom. You know, I feel like on the way from material identity to spiritual identity, there's these, there might be a few material identities along the way that we have to embrace that helps us move progressively towards the spiritual identity of Swarupa Vish, uh, absorption, the actual Swarup of the Jiva. <clears throat> so like, when, like, for example, when I first joined, it was like the brahmachari ego, you know, and I'm a brahmachari and that becomes like the ego that served me for a, for a particular time and embracing the culture of Krishna consciousness and starting Japa and doing sadhana. And then at a certain point, that that ego shell was broken and I had to emerge anew and some new sort of identity. I'm kind of in the face of that identity right now. And yeah. then you use that identity to maybe carry you forward. And then that has to be broken until until you actually are situated in like a, like a pure eternal Siddhadeha sort of thing. So um, <clears throat> I feel like part of the process of coming to the point of sticking to our principles speaking truth to power, however you want to say it, um, keeping your word, a part of that journey is like a failure to do so and seeing the consequences of that failure. Right. And um, like, again, like coming back to my example of being a brahmachari at a certain point, that ego serving me and then that ego failing me and the pain of that ego failing me and, and that pain allowing for me to grow Yes. Without which I wouldn't be able to grow. I wouldn't be able to actually move towards my principles in a deeper way unless that ego dropped from me and I, I failed in a particular way. So um, <clears throat> so same when it comes to like this, this whole senior identity, that could be a, a sort of ego shell that is used for a particular time. It serves its purpose for a particular part of your journey. And then there might need to be a failure of that identity. Like in the visceral experience of the failure, the pain of that failure, the sorrow that comes from that, in order for one to grow. I, you know, there's this phrase, is it comes from Hamlet, I think. Okay, this is just a sidebar. I'm, I hate modern public education. Obviously, I'm, <laughs> I'm, like a, I'm a classic Hare Krishna, super fanatical. I think it's slaughterhouse education, whatever. Um, so that may be something I need to grow through and grow out of, but I'm I like, I hate it. But one of the things I hate is that they made us read all these like really super kind of important books when we were too young to appreciate them. Oh my God, agreed, <laughs> agreed. Hey, like, like we read, like we read, like a lot of Shakespeare. Yeah, didn't care. I remember reading George Orwell in the sophomore year of high school. Yeah, I was 80, like, this book is so boring. Like, I couldn't, I didn't have yeah. the sort of consciousness to appreciate. I read George Orwell nineteen eighty four again, like three or four years ago, and I like loved it. I was just like, wow, yeah. this is like an amazing book, but. Um, so anyway, sorry, that's a total sidebar. Just, I agree with you. Uh, <laughs> stuff like Great Gatsby, Death yeah, of a Salesman. Oh, oh like, like at that time, horrible. Like I can't, like I can't. But now if I read that, oh my God, God. so interesting. and Right. So, yeah. so Shakespeare is also one of those authors, I think, that had a lot to say and probably like a lot of depth, but I was just too young to appreciate it. Anyway, so I remember reading Hamlet in high school. And, you know, and I think in Hamlet, one of the, the characters says, to be or not to be, that is the question. Right. Actually, this is fitting in so perfectly with the theme of this conversation right now. <laughs> to be or not to be, that is the question. Didn't realize that that statement was talking about suicide. 
I like literally didn't realize that until I um, read it somewhere else, not in Shakespeare, but I was reading something about Shakespeare and I guess it was a reference to suicide. And a point was being brought up that I thought, found very interesting that human beings are the only creatures that have the capacity for suicide. Really? And I, I, that's what I heard. Like I never, maybe it's true. Maybe it's untrue. Like a lot I of think our there's lemmings. You know lemmings? what lemmings are? <laughs> lemmings are a certain animal. They, they, they jump off a cliff and stuff. I think <laughs> a short Google search can help us with this question. Like, okay. You know, this, I don't think that's only, the purpose of this. It's not the point. It's not the point. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. So humans are one of the only creatures that have the <laughs> yeah, there you go. for suicide. Um, which I found to be fascinating because like, yeah, you don't hear too much about other creatures, you know, committing suicide, but you hear about this all the time. Yeah. So in the, in the particular book I was reading, it was bringing, bringing up this Hamlet statement to be or not to be, that is the question to be as I am now or to commit suicide. I think that maybe the context in which it comes up in that in Hamlet, but this author that I was reading was a psychotherapist. So he like, he, he phrased it in a different way, like to be or not to be, that is a question he phrased as a sort of ego side. He, instead of suicide, cause he's dealing with patients who are ego suicidal. Side. So yeah. instead of being suicide, it's like, well, you have a particular ego that isn't serving you right now. And it's causing the debilitation of your life progress. It's, calling all, it's causing all sorts of weird neurosis because you need to actually grow out of that ego. And so ego side is the solution to this particular you know psychological issue that you're having so in that context it brings us up to be or not to be that is a question so to be as i am now or not to be like this that is the question and in terms of the theme of the conversation so far it's like a nice it kind of fits in very nicely the question is do i want to remain as i am now you know taking like an honest inventory of my understanding of sedanta and my avesh you yeah. know do I want to remain as I am now, or do I really need to like do Upgrade. an ego side? Oh, do an ego side. Like this ego needs to go and in order for me to grow. I think some people's lives are so fast, busy that sometimes there's not even a chance to make that examination. So I, that's a great point. I think that speaks to a general issue of modern day, postmodern day culture. Yeah. In general, and also then because our movement or our communities are part of the postmodern world, it speaks to a problem that we are also having. You know, spiritual life is largely a contemplative one. Um, and so if you don't have the room for content, con you know, contemplative life, are you even doing spirituality? You might, yeah. that might be a question worth examining. Isn't impossible to remain anything? Maya is always changing. Yeah, you can say that in one way, but I feel like I feel in some ways we change and remain the same. There's a saying like that, right? The more things change, the more they remain the same. Mm. I feel like there is a way that things shift around us constantly on a psychological level, on a on somatic level, on an environmental level without really changing at all. You know, just like, for example, like with political movements, you have one politician, one political side that's the oppressor and another that's the oppressed. And then the oppressed side gains victory. So things change and then they become the oppressor. And so I was like, the more things change, the more they stay the same. That's just, I'm just using leveraging that image as an example of how things can shift around us without us actually changing. 
And I think that happens to all of us that we we change without changing in a lot of ways because there needs to be, I think shifts need to, like again, seeing but not examining. I think in order for change to be substantial, it has to be kind of like combined with a contemplative culture. And if things are moving too fast where you don't have time to evaluate your inner life, um, evaluate, yeah, evaluate, then things can change without changing at all, actually. So you're, so you're afraid of plateauing. So what are you going to do about it? <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to go on Google and ask. <laughs> 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 hey, Google, I'm really concerned about this. I have my own, um, intuitions about how I might, um, solve the issue. A lot of my, my personal solutions involve going to the Dom. So I'm doing that in September, um, at the end of this month, actually in two weeks, I leave again, this will be the second time I've gone to India after they finally opened up after the whole COVID scare and all that. And, um, so I'll be in the Dom and I'm going to the, you know, the foothills of Goranda and I'm going to pray for grace. I'm taking, I'm taking a different approach to my questions. Uh, my approach is to look less for an answer in terms of just like concretized sentences in books or from speakers per se, not discounting that obviously, but I'm just like going to pray for grace. Wow. You know, maybe, maybe grace will come in the form of a sunrise one particular morning while I'm on, on Parikram, or maybe it comes in a chance meeting with a sadhu and the corner of Radha Kun by accident, who says something that's right what I need to hear right at the right moment. But uh, my my particular strategy now is no strategy per se, and to just pray for grace. Like I want to be able to cry for grace. You know, I want I want that sort of that first naive that I have when I when I first joined, where I was like, if I don't get an answer to this question, I'm gonna die sort of approach, you know, <laughs> that that's sort of like an enthusiasm, you know, like I need to have an answer to this. Otherwise my life is going to be finished. Yeah. And then reality somehow magically manifesting in a way where you get exactly that answer because you were like desperate for it versus it's like, yeah, I'm suffering. God, can you help me? And then go and watch Netflix where it's just like, really, there's no, there's no fervor. There's no ardent avidity for that truth. So I'm, that's kind of my thinking right now. Um, that's beautiful. I love that. I, want I, just, to be like, I that. just want to pray. I just want to like pray and like, yo, I'm suffering. I I'm confused. I'm bewildered. Um, I have these sorts of fears that relate to me not attaining Sadhya. Forget attaining Sadhya, just attaining Nishta. <laughs> you know, I have all these sorts of, please, you know, show kindness to me. I'm, and then wait, you know, waiting is the greatest surrender. I have this, this is another maxim that I picked up from Dhanadar Swami that I absolutely love. I was traveling with Dhanadar Swami to Colombia and we got stuck at immigration. And um, the immigration line was so long and it wasn't moving. And so, you know, Maharaj was like from Brooklyn. He's kind of like fast beating, upbeat. <laughs> so he was like, you, he was like looking visibly like annoyed that the lie was moving so slow or hardly moving at all. So he was like pacing back and forth in this like little spot. <laughs> and then he like looked at me and one God sister I was traveling with. 
And he just looked at us and said, waiting is the greatest surrender. <laughs> <laughs> and I yeah. had such a good laugh at that just because of the context of the statement. But it, it, it imprinted itself on my psyche so strong. I was like, wow, that's really a good phrase for spiritual life. You know, you, have, you can pray for grace and then you have to wait and see when grace is ready to respond to you. Um, in a way that it really asks your heart. So waiting is the greatest surrender. So I'm hoping I can surrender in that way. Pray and wait. <laughs> Maybe that should be a new shirt. Pray and wait. <laughs> wow. So that's that's, yeah, that's kind of my particular approach to this particular dilemma, personal dilemma. I don't feel like I have that dilemma. I hope I get it soon. I'm praying for it. I'm praying for that dilemma. I just like, I'm so bogged down. I'm so bogged well, down with life. This is one thing that follow civilization may do for all of us. You know, obviously civilization is falling apart um, right before our eyes. Pashada Pigna Pashati. There are people who see it but don't see it, but it's clearly <laughs> falling apart. Right. And um, America is the whole world, but America is absolutely ghetto, absolutely out of control. Our president is a joke. Everything's a joke now. Um, the right is a joke. The left is a joke. Everything is just like a joke and it's falling apart. I heard that. I don't know if this is true, but I heard that like all these um, pre-modern, modern, post-modern civilizations that since in recorded history, they don't last more than like 250 years. Really? Or before, before they before they completely collapse. And America is at 246 years apparently. Whoa. And so we're like right at the cusp of the collapse. If history is anything to be taken seriously, if this statement that i heard is collapse in what way though like collapse like finish your economy destroyed your culture's destroyed like completely finished well the culture is already more or less destroyed uh, well there's more coming there's more coming and the way you've been watching too much govinda dasi podcast uh, i don't actually (laughs) watch that sort of stuff Uh, i know from my like stories sometimes people may think like I'm a conspiracy theorist, you know, or I kind of lean in that way, which is probably true. I probably do lean in that way. But my, like, Corona avatar, he's like, your your feeds must be filled with, like, conspiracy theories. I'm like, actually, my feeds are filled with dog videos and cat videos <laughs> and panda videos, some fitness videos and some ballet videos. That's what most of my feed is. If you go on my For You page on right. Instagram, it's mostly dog videos, cat videos, or, like, panda, like, other animal videos ballet and fitness videos because like i don't want to i don't want to live a life of paranoia and i know like intuitively something very demonic is going on and the way that i intuit about things definitely looks like i'm like on the conspiracy theory side but i don't actually look at any of that stuff like i don't care i have a i have a spiritual take on what's going on and this is my spiritual take on what's happening nature moves and three three phases, basically, you know, goodness, passion, ignorance. So there's a creative phase of nature, there's a sustenance phase of nature, and there's a dissolution phase of nature. And all of nature moves like this constantly, creation, sustenance, dissolution. And so like that, that's the natural movement of nature. So it is of everything that's within nature. There's generation at one point, there's sustenance, and then there's dissolution. So that's true on a psychological level, and it's true on a civilization level. Civilizations emerge, they're sustained for some time, and then they're dissolved for some time. So it's just like the natural movement of nature. Now, most of us take dissolution in a negative sense. 
But dissolution is also part of nature and it's also a healthy part of nature. In order for there to be renewal, there has to be dissolution. And so uh, I'm kind of looking at the fall of civilizations like, okay, we've been living as a collective, we've been living in folly for far too long. And the result of our folly is uh, just an utter devastation, like a dissolution, which is required for there to be renewal. I don't and, think that's going to happen. Huh? I don't think that's going to happen. No, no. Well, it's happening already, as you say. Like, the culture is already dissolved. We don't even know right. the difference between a man and a woman over here in America. Like, <laughs> that's, that's, how, as, that's how bad it's getting. We don't what is a woman? A man and a woman. Yeah. So it's already in its process it's of dissolution. It's going to, you know, act where the inflation is really bad. This looks like imminent economic collapse is just, you know, on, it's well, just on the horizon. Yep. So it's already underway. And then it's, so it's going to, it's just, that's the process. What are you going to do? I don't see you storing grains and stuff. <laughs> I'm going to go over that and I'll start there. <laughs> <laughs> So that's literally part of my thinking. Um, but what I wanted to say is that, because your your point was that, well, I just, that's not a question I, I deal with right now. It's like, maybe I don't have time for that right now. So I'm like, the, the, the dissolution of civilization is going to give a lot of us a lot to think about. Right. And I think the question that's going to come up for most of humanity at that time is this question, to be or not to be. Right. <laughs> and like in a kind of like in a very literal sense, people committing suicide, you know, I just here in New York City, the owner of Bed Bath and Beyond just committed suicide. It seems he really did you, you didn't see that. You know, there's this building in the financial district of New York that they call it the Jenga building, like all the buildings. The Jenga building. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he jumped off like the 18th floor of the Jenga building to his death, and although he didn't write a suicide note, apparently his wife saw him jump off. Oh my the, lord! Out of the window. I was like, don't they put gates on the windows just to stop this? Anyway, um, he apparently, the Bed Bath and Beyond, <clears throat> it, they had lost, like, I think they had to close like 150 stores. Yeah, they did. Something like that. And um, and so he probably, maybe he lost a lot of money. I don't know what was the impact of those closing the stores. Uh, obviously, this is a speculation on my part. But whatever it was, he couldn't deal with it and he committed suicide. So I think the dissolution of civilization that's already underway is going to lead to people practically asking this question to be or not to be. And it's wow. going to, for some people, it's going to be not to be in like a very literal sense of committing suicide. And for some of us, it's going to be not to be as we were. And we're going to have to change our way of living, like actually living according to God's laws, living a more natural life. In other words, we'll be forced to engage with the questions that we've been ignoring because we're too busy doing this, that, and the other. So this is one of the positives of a of the dissolution process of nature. Yeah. You're you're forced to engage with questions that we would have otherwise just left sitting on the you know table, so to speak. So there's that. <laughs> Three phases of nature is a profound point. I'm thinking that Vishnu is in charge of maintaining. If we keep under shelter of Vishnu, then we no longer have to be concerned with creation or destruction. LOL. <laughs> yeah what is that to be under shelter of vishnu translates to me is to go to brudge and starve there <laughs> i have this whole thing that i keep joking with my friends i'm like listen india they already used to like so much corruption and they've adapted so some some shit goes down the world level they already know how to adapt to it 
So let me let me go and be with them. You know, I'll always be able to find a road to something. I know we're not we're not prepared for it here in America. So uh, part of my thing is like that: just get to brush and let me die there. You know, I I'm obviously a little romantic about it, but um, just that, a little bit. Yeah, but that is part of my my process, right? And, and thinking about these sorts of life issues. All right. Well, um, thanks for jumping on here real uh, sponta- spontaneously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No problems. I think uh, that was a, kind of a nice conversation. For sure. Yeah. yeah Great man. points. Unfolded. I want that experience. I, I, I'm i going to think about that today. Don't um, worry. As you get old, it's, it just comes somehow. Uh, well, I guess we were saying that for everyone, but just as I brought it up, as you get older, if you keep thinking about this podcast, you'll see it. It really starts to pinch a lot. Just let just let someone come up to you and ask you, "Have you seen God?" And start looking at how humble you have to speak. Yeah. Uh, suppose you give a nice, heavy class, and then someone says, "Excuse me, nice class. Have you seen God?" <laughs> All of a sudden, yeah. you have to start speaking gibberish. Now, Prabhupada was asked that question so many times, and he would just say yes. Period. I've seen him. It, well, what Prabhupada means? No, no, no. As I'm seeing you, I'm seeing Krishna. That's always been super powerful to me. Like, cause I'm like, man, if I was asked that question, it's like, well, I'm on the way. I'm, it's a it's a gradual process. I'm on a journey. No, you're humbled. I'm not having experience yet. I want to have that experience. I hope. Okay. Well, um, thanks everyone else for joining. There's like 60 people watching it. Oh, wow. That's yeah. very generous of them. So last yeah, yeah. Well, that speaks to your, again, the popularity that this enjoys in the devotional community. I think it, uh, I think it's because I bring on certain, the people I bring on, that's my, to my credit. <laughs> I, I, I proctor this really uh, carefully. Uh, but, uh, okay, well, if, if you like this podcast, if you like the spontaneousness, let me know in the comments. And as always, please like and subscribe to my channel. <laughs> I'm so over this, man. I, I was thinking about it last night. I was like, uh, I, because I, I had to get up early for this podcast. Like, like I had to prepare like the room and blah blah blah. And um, I was thinking, like, how long do I want to continue doing this if I'm like not getting to juice out of it in the sense of like. Like I do get some, like I do get things out. Like yesterday, I did a podcast with um, Devashish Prabhu, who wow. is the one of the. He's a disciple of Srila Sridhar Maharaj. He spent many oh, years with him, wow. and he told all these amazing stories of Sridhar Maharaj and Puri Maharaj, and just like to talk to him uh, was like really. It was so nourishing to hear about different senior wow. like Pakistan yeah. Thakur's disciples and stuff. Things like that make it worthwhile. Like these experience, like talking to you makes it worthwhile. Like, I didn't think of that. That's such a simple point. Like, let's focus on the experience of Krishna consciousness rather than perhaps um, understandings. You know, I mean, Siddhanta is very important, but your point is, you know, let's, for you personally, you said you want to focus on what is the experience that I'm having? What is the absorption that I'm having in Krishna consciousness? Or am I on one hand to like, you know, reading something, but then going back to my, what I'm actually absorbed in. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, good, good food for thought for, for everyone listening here. Uh, let's get absorbed. I mean, seeing me less on Facebook and on YouTube.
Yeah, oh. correct. <laughs> All right. Deuces. Deuces. Hi, Bo. Take care. Hey, Sean. Hi, Bo.